We'd like to thank you for listening to our, I guess you can call it the second WrestleManiacs podcast pilot. Um, mm-hmm. Last last time we did this, um, I'm Jake, no relation to the Snake Roberts, and uh, this is my co-host Kyle John Fenton, a.k.a. KJF. Mm-hmm. Um, last time we did this, this was focused more on our Pickums division, and yes. this one... Um, we're expanding the format a little to being just more of a general um, wrestling sort of preview podcast that every other wrestling output does, except here we're doing it for like 12 people who might be listening. <laughs> for, for now, at least. For now. For now. Who knows? What if it blows up? I mean, it yes. could be a thing. It could be. It could not. And just and it will just be, you know, Kevin, a.k.a. Thanos, just listening to it every single time. That's fine, too. Whatever works. You know what? You know what? That's that's just the way it is. <laughs> I should not be drinking directly into the microphone. <laughs> oh, wait. Should I get a beer? Is that what you're saying? Should I? Should uh, I ha- oh, you could do whatever. Okay. You can do whatever. It's all right. I'm I, good. I'll, I'll just get things started. Um, We are covering Forbidden Door. Yeah. AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling's first supercard, hopefully the first of many. Um, and so to get things started, I think we need to. How did we get here? Right. Because obviously, New Japan Pro Wrestling has had a Western presence pretty much since its inception. In the 70s, they worked a lot with the WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the infamous. Um, Muhammad Ali and an Antonio Inoki debacle, which was basically the bedrock of modern mixed martial arts. But really, in the 2010s is where our story really begins, because in early 2016, there had been a growing presence of New Japan awareness of the Bullet Club and whatnot, wrestlers like Prince Devitt were coming over into WWE. But it was really at the start of 2016 with the announcement that AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura were coming over into WWE Mm -hmm. that people really started to pay attention to New Japan. Yeah, and I'd and... like to chime in on that if I could, because oh as, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and with this, you know, you know, you actually are kind of a little bit more. You've done a little bit more of the history and the lore. I actually didn't know much about New Japan at all, and I hadn't even started paying attention. And I remember starting to pay attention again to wrestling back in 2016 and during mm-hmm. that Rumble, and I was like, "Who is this AJ guy?" Right, because I also had did not know him from TNA at all. And it forced me as a, you know, a common fan to be like, who are these people? And then just mm-hmm. like you're talking about that led to, oh, what is this thing of the Bullet Club? What was Shinsuke's presence over there before? Right. I honestly think Shinsuke in New Japan was better than how he's ever been presented in WWE. Canada. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> right. Everyone agrees. But AJ, though, on the other hand, which maybe it's, you know, the fact that he grew up in Georgia and he wasn't, you know, of of a minority descent, so to speak, in terms of the states, but I digress on that. But it was it forced me to go look at that a little bit more, and I realized just like you were talking about, the Steiners had been over there, Hulk Hogan had made tons of trips over there back in like the '80s and '90s. So it's there's a rich history of it. Just to you know, just to you know, uh, just kind of corroborate yeah, and the point modern you're making, American so wrestling is really you know the sort of like high flying style. The bedrock of that was uh, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian yep. Pillman Sr. in WCW. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, 
the history of American wrestling is tied very closely Absolutely. with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Absolutely. But in the 2010s, the American hardcore wrestling fan really got into New Japan during 2016 with the rise of Kenny Omega. With AJ Styles gone, it was decided that they needed a new top foreign guy. Mm-hmm. And so they went, they promoted Kenny Omega from the junior to the heavyweight division. And I, I just remember. Oh, he wasn't <clears throat> always a heavyweight? Oh. No, no, he was he was junior heavyweight champion. Oh well, I knew that, but I didn't. Well, I guess I, I guess I, I knew that. Now that I'm thinking about it, that makes sense. Never mind. I didn't yeah, guess it. <laughs> no, there's there's a funny there's a funny um just looking back in history. It was it's 2013 best of Super Juniors tournament. Kenny Omega is still in blonde hair and green tights, and like. Prince Devitt has just founded Bullet Club, and so he just beats the shit out of Kenny in his match. Just makes him look like a total geek. It's amazing. It's I literally I was searching this as we're going. Oh my god, look at this picture. Okay, who do we got here? I'm looking right now. It's uh, Devitt or Finn mm-hmm. Balor for those who may not know. We got Tonga right there, and then is that is that Gallows and Anderson? Uh, yeah, yeah. Carl Anderson was one of the four originally original founding members okay. of Bullet Club, got and it. then he brought Gallows in soon after. Yep, I get but, it. But yeah, so Kenny Omega's rise was pretty meteoric. He won the vacant IC title. He then went on to win the G1 Climax in his first go-round. It was a real it was a real concentrated, concerted effort to make him, I would say, even bigger than AJ Styles was. Mm. And AJ Styles won the championship in his first match there. In New Japan. Yeah, because, I mean, he had killed it, from what I understood, in, Mm -hmm. I guess, TNA, and then after TNA really could, because I think I I was actually listening to uh, My World uh, with, you know, Double J, and he had said that there there wasn't really anything we could do for him. He had already hit the top, like, so it made sense for him to go, so it's it's kind of interesting to know that, you know, after he was gone, they, like, pushed someone else a little bit more, but hey. Oh, yeah. The presence is there. but, but But they needed to, because with the absence of Nakamura and Styles, it really left a power vacuum in New Japan. Sure. You know, I remember reading in early 2016 from the Wrestling Observer newspaper, um, newsletter, blah, but Dave Meltzer was talking about, yeah, New Japan, they don't, they need to figure out who to have Okada against in the Tokyo Dome next year. And there's uh, they're obviously pushing Omega right now, but he's not nearly big enough of star to headline the Tokyo Dome right now. And Un- then unless the following they stra- January, yep. <laughs> they the following the January, yep. um, Kenny Omega off of a massive push goes into the Tokyo Dome, has a 40 minute first ever six star match with Kazuchika Okada. Mm-hmm. They broke Dave Meltzer's star ratings and then they did it again in June at Dominion, a 60 minute draw that did 6.25 stars. And so- then sounds like uh, Dave's got a nice affinity for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, huh? Yes, 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 he does. <laughs> naturally, yes, he does naturally. And yes, but so yeah, so basically, Kenny Omega has become a wrestling god, and the Young Bucks with the Bullet Club and their BTE online series, they have really increased their profile, and they have become the elite of the Bullet Club, and. Obviously, that caused, you know, strife within the Bullet Club, both kayfabe and shoot. 
uh, you know, the founding members of Bullet yep. Club didn't care for like this whole clicky attitude, but that's neither here nor there. They they don't matter. They're not on this card. They don't matter. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I would be I'd be shocked to see if they don't show up in some way, shape, or form. And for those of you who are listening who haven't paid attention to this, you could learn so much about what we just discussed if you literally just search "rise and fall of Bullet Club," so to speak, or just Bullet Club throughout the history. Um, yeah, New on Japan YouTube. has an excellent yeah. has an excellent series. Oh, it's they so also, good, so good. Mm-hmm. Narrated by the great Kevin Kelly, who will be on commentary this Sunday at Forbidden Door. <laughs> yes. So basically, Omega and the Bucks. Then they add Cody, and it really becomes like this juggernaut, the elite are really, they become bigger than any company that they're in, be it ROH or New Japan. Mm-hmm. And it start you start to think, oh, man, they're going to go to WWE and get a big payday. And, you know, when I wrote for What Culture, I even wrote an article, like, talking about the pros and cons of the Bullet Club going, uh, the Bullet Club elite, which was Cody, the Bucks, Kenny, and Hangman Page. And, and they... They, they, WWE made a concerted push to get them, but it turns out they had other plans because on January 1st, 2019, they announced the founding of a new wrestling company with Shad and Tony Khan as the financiers. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come to sort of. <laughs> oh. I thought you farted. Was that no? Just your I mic didn't. Scratching? That was me, my mic scratching and me coughing a little bit there. Um, but we can say it was a fart. That's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, this is a very professional production. Oh, obviously, obviously. Yeah. So AEW and they have a press conference a few days later, and fucking Chris Jericho. Yeah, that is the big splash sign. That threw me for a loop. Because I had just started paying attention because All In was the year before, right? Yes. And I remember watching that. At, was that was that, I think it was at the Summit, uh, you know, uh, RIP Seacrest Hole Department. Um, to that point, I, I had been paying attention. And when Chris showed up on that show, I went, oh, this is fun. Because I, I was just a WWE guy, right? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. watch anything else. So when I saw that, I went, okay. I'm following this company now. And then I realized at that moment why every single person turned on the station to WCW back in the day or even watched Impact. It was that moment in grabbing someone of that caliber where I went, yeah, this is going to be legitimate. Because Jericho doesn't do that for no reason. I mean, he went to New Japan. New Japan's an obviously a very established promotion. So if he's going to put his name on something else, damn. Okay. Especially after years of Jericho saying, I'll never work for anyone but right. Vince McMahon ever again. Right. I rem- I knew that. And I went, wow. Like, okay. And obviously Jericho has been very prominent. Like, I mean, he's going to go down as literally one of the greatest absolute, like, professional wrestlers of all time. Regardless whether mm-hmm. it was in the ring or otherwise, character work, you name it. So just knowing that he was going to be the stalwart at the beginning, which made sense because he was the first champ. Um, awesome. Just awesome stuff. I'm just, I'm just recalling watching it from the very beginning oh it was so fun (laughs) it was so fun to see the press conference i don't know i digress but it's just yeah and so basically you had that you had their big fun show um double or nothing but the problem was they didn't they didn't get along with new japan to begin with and that was because the bucks and kenny kind of left them hide and dry Mm -hmm. now obviously they had issues with the management and whatnot but that's a lot of scuttlebutt uh, 
but in essence, it was an awkward situation, especially when John Moxley became the hottest free agent in all of professional wrestling, and he debuted simultaneously for New Japan and AEW. And that, and we'll get to that later, but I just remember in the summer of 2019 when they brought the G1 Climax to America, the first day of A-Block matches, um, they couldn't have Moxley wrestle there because, you know, uh, Tony Cobb was like, John Moxley will only wrestle in America for us. Um, but obviously they've lightened up on that in recent times. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, and New Japan, in the wake of the Elite's absence, was still good. Like, they promoted Osprey, they gave him a big push. There was a lot of stuff, but over time, as AEW and Dynamite premiered, you could definitely feel that there was a faltering in New Japan's relevance. And there were a lot of factors that went into this. Um, the big one I would say is the pandemic and just that mm-hmm. caused a lot of wrestling to go bad. Just, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah. And if you think about it too, not to delve off topic a little bit, but you know, if you look at, you know, really the dot com boom and technology and how fast things have moved, you needed to stay ahead of the curve. And in order to do that, right, it becomes more of a standardization. So we all know that, like, you know, technologies in general, like the most innovative thing probably that I can think of, truly innovative, was probably the iPhone. That came out in 2004. So if you think about that, all these wrestling companies doing it the way they were before, having people in person is super, super important. Now for your indie promotions, that's a little bit different because they pay them next to nothing. And they pay once in a while to get a big talent. But you look at your New Japans, you look at your PWGs, you look at your AAAs, they were floundering. I mean, ROH fell, it faltered, and it needed to get bought out. I mean, like, it was it was super, super unfortunate, but I also consider it to be a good thing because now I think we're getting the best cream of the crop and the people who are booking the right talent in the right way on the right cards is coming there. So I think it was probably a, more of a blessing than a curse in my purview. Um, uh, but dude, yeah, your point's, but but your point's than, valid. Your point's yeah, completely but valid. Yeah, more but more than the pandemic, though, New Japan just kind of fell off just in terms of... now. There are some decisions that I understand aren't necessary because they are a Japanese company first and foremost. Um, but they started doing multiple nights for their biggest show of the year, mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. For Western fans, it's already a big ask for them yep. to like start watching a show at 2 a.m. and end at 7 a.m. You can't have them do that two nights in a row. You can't. I mean, you. I mean, and, you can. It's just whether or not you're going to get the the viewership like, that you want. Unless right? you're a gremlin like me, who already is awake at those hours. Sure, sure. No, most people aren't gremlins like me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, isn't the? I mean, what is the demographic of your typical wrestling fan? Aren't they green and slimy like gremlins normally? Like, I know heels <laughs> usually call us that. So, like, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, but but I get what you're saying, and, and when you're looking for, like, a Western presence, and you can kind of see that, too. I mean, you have, you know, WWE is obviously the biggest wrestling promotion in the world, and they've got things in other places, but everything is really comprised on the East Coast, anything really here in the States. So if you really want that Western presence, you got to be able to make it, you know, for that. Now, to that point, what do we understand enough, and, and we can pontificate if we want, but do we understand enough about the financials on the New Japan side? Did it matter as much? Maybe from a Western perspective, it is different, but I wonder... 
does it matter on their end, right? For the, obviously the Japanese I, fans. I, I, I can't get into that. I don't know enough. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just presenting it as whatever. But to your point on being like a Western fan, so absolutely. Like, that sucks. Like, freaking when the Saudi show's on, it's like at what, noon on a damn Thursday? Like, no one's watching that shit unless you're sitting at work. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I get yeah. it. I get it totally. Uh, just a side note for that. I remember sitting in a cubicle watching Shawn Michaels come out of retirement. That was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that match was awful. What was it? It was, what was it? Michaels and it, it was, Triple H It was H Michaels and Kane. Hunter versus Kane and Undertaker. Yeah, and Triple H tore his fucking pecs, says on camera, man, we're too old for this shit. Oh, that was great. Uh, although, although Sean did do a he did do a moonsault from the top. Yeah, top he, I do he looked that. pretty good. Yeah, Sean but looked let's good. get back yeah. to let's get back to good wrestling. Or I, <laughs> I shouldn't say good wrestling because we're talking about New Japan 2020 forward. They've just made a lot of baffling booking decisions, like turning Will Ospreay heel and adding a bunch of weirdos to the Bullet Club that just don't fit. And there's just a lot of. Yeah, but it's growing so, pains. It's growing pains. Yeah, I would. Yeah, con- so, would you consider just for people who may not necessarily be aware of New Japan side? Would you consider New Japan of now the like two thousand two from two thousand five of WWE when they were trying to build new stars? Do you think that there's any comparison I, there? Yeah, I think I think that's there's there's reason to call it that. You know, like there it's yeah, and 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 I'll admit, you know, I. Um, in the words of Brian Danielson, I'm probably just fickle. Um, you know, oh, dude, it's like you're just fickle. Oh, wait, you heard it here first, folks. Jake Roberts is fickle. Holy shit! Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, like I tried to watch some of the best of the Super Juniors, mm-hmm. and you know, and like Wheeler Yuta was there, and I like him, and like I like a bunch of the guys there, but at the same time, it's just this isn't my New Japan. I miss my new Japan. You know, I miss. Yeah, Penny. I get it. I get it. But <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's like everyone. I mean, but think about it, though. Think about Tony buying Ring of Honor. He's mm-hmm. literally buying that for the nostalgia because every single person he's featuring was huge from 05 to 2010 or whatever it was. Right. So if you think of, you're completely valid in the way that you think, that's why people still compare wrestling to the attitude era and why it'll never we're, be there. We're, we're going to put a pin in ROH because that's going to come up. Later. It is going to come up later as what it is, but yeah, exactly the point. But, but yeah, so basically new Japan doesn't have the momentum it quite had in 2018 and also, we have the G1 Climax coming up, so a lot of stars aren't necessarily going to be available or they're going to be in more mm-hmm. limited capacity. So uh, the question is, is this card what it could have been? To which I say no, but at the same time, this is looking to be a good card as we'll go through. And what it lacks in big, big names, it makes up for in variety, I would say. Yeah, and like it, it's hard to tell too because this is something that's still kind of new. You know what I mean? Like this is still a little bit new in terms of kind of having these not like super cards per se, but something where you have two legitimate quote unquote professional wrestling promotions that are this prominent on television, whether it's in the states or otherwise. That are going to be putting something together. Well, so but like even then, AEW literally has blood and guts. What next week? You know what yes. I mean? So like this, it. I don't want to say it was a thrown together kind of pay per view. I almost consider this just like we're. This is a pilot. I kind of almost consider Forbidden Door to be a pilot. To be yeah, one eventually. I would say I would say so too. Yeah. Like, 
and I, uh, for I, I, I said this in the Discord, but for New Japan, this is a filler arc, I would say, mm-hmm. because they just had Dominion, and they're about to have the G1, and so, like, I feel like I feel like a lot of the New Japan guys are going to be working house show level, but we can we can we can talk more about that as we yeah go let's do it let's card. just cover through because I know that we're going to be covering the card so I say let's get into it as we uh, cover the card I think that makes sense let's roll right into it so starting off on the pre-show we have Max Caster and the Gun Club composed of Billy and his two ass boys oh the versus... ass boys dude Danhausen's hilarious for making that a thing that's <laughs> so funny anyway anyway keep going. <laughs> And against a bunch of L.A. Dojo guys, Yu Yu Yamura, Alex Coughlin, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. I know they've been trying hard with this strong brand, but I cannot tell any of these L.A. Dojo guys apart. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't either. And I think, I mean, there's a reason why it's on the pre-show. Um, if I know anything from anything and what's been promoted. Now, mind you, I don't know what's going on uh, in, you know, in, in Japan specifically. Literally, literally, literally Max Caster is like... He he is the perfect pre-show talent. He's just oh my there god to get yeah. the audience hyped up. I yeah. agree with you absolutely. I mean I I mean at this point just knowing what I know about how to book any sort of show that's entertaining in general. I don't know how to call pickums because I still haven't won my title back. But to that point, it has to be Gun Club and Max Caster. Has to be right. They're riding so much momentum, and you know it's an AEW show. So like. <laughs> you kind of, I kind of feel like there's only one way this goes, but it might be really, really good exposure for those LA Dojo guys to get some rub from, obviously the hype that the Gun Club builds. I'm, by. I'm just now remembering uh, a time ago when uh, this was like five years ago, um, when they when New Japan went to um, LA and um, they did the tournament for the U.S. title, mm-hmm. and and fun fact, Tony Khan was like prominently like in like on the hard cam section like you could oh, see was it you could see him shirt. yeah okay yeah so this was 2017 but hiroshi tanahashi defended the ic title against billy gunn and it really? was just so fun yes huh. yes yeah but like billy was so much taller than him it was funny well like let's think about that for a minute is it possible that we see some of that again what do you mean is the, is it possible that we see, I mean, we'll probably see Billy, but could there be an homage to that during that match? You think, or is it just Pro- is it Pro- too deep? No, no, that no, that was this was just a total tangent. Too deep a cut. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, Max and the the Ash Boys are gonna do some comedy. Um, they'll probably make the L A guys look really strong and pin one of the Ass Boys. Fair. Yep. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That would make sense too. Yeah, sure. Okay. I go that. It's a pre-show, so, right? It's a pre-show. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be on probably for free. People are going to be able to watch it on some sort of probably BR Live or whatever it is until obviously make you buy the show. So it'll be good. Yeah. So kicking off on the main card, we have Zack Saber Jr. versus a mystery opponent of Brian Danielson's choosing. Now this is a big blow, obviously. Brian Danielson mm-hmm. suffering a concussion during the Anarchy and Arena match, but you know he came out in good spirits on Wednesday. He seems, you know, mentally sound. It's just, you know, at, at his age and his condition, you know, you you don't want to risk it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But still, you know, him versus Zack Sabre Jr. would have been a technical spectacle. But Danielson has promised that they're going to see an incredible um, t- 
technical match. Now, I'm we're not going to do much of this, but I'm going to look to the Pickums because it seems to be two camps here. One or and like like and then there's a third party gaining momentum. A lot of people think it's going to be ROH champion Jonathan Gresham, which okay, or, okay, yep. Or it's going to be free agent Claudio Castagnoli, formerly known as Cesaro. Yeah, that's what I was leaning to too. The third one I wanted to throw in, which might be the camp because I haven't checked the pickups or if I submitted one. Could you imagine if Gargano came out? That would be interesting. He is in Chicago on that day for like some, I I, I guess convention or signing. I don't know. Like, but he. he... <laughs> I mean. Either of those three, from knowing what I know about Zack Sabre Jr., who is, candidly, should be considered one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Like, oh, he, yeah. He's got, yeah. like, how many damn five-star matches with fucking Osprey? Like, I mean, the dude's money. Um, I mean, like, the he won, like, the Brian Danielson Award, like, eight years in a row. Right, so. right. So any of those would be good. I'm just curious to see, really... Because let's let's talk about this for a minute. Who was originally supposed to go over? Do you think what what in this? Yeah, I, I would imagine Danielson. So is it? So do they still have his replacement go over and use it as an opportunity to introduce a new character? I think it's a great opportunity. Personally, yeah. I mean, I I think I think that they'll that they'll probably just go with someone who's actually signed, like Jonathan Gresham, who hasn't been around. Because, yeah, yeah. And, and again, we'll put a pin in that. Sure. Um, okay, moving on, we have the Bullet Club. The Young Bucks are back in Bullet Club for one night only, um, and they are teaming up with El Fantasmo, a fantastic cruiserweight, and Hikaleo against Dudes with Attitude. That is Sting, Darby Allin, and from Los Ingobernables de Japón, Hiromu Takahashi and Shingo Takagi. Hiromu is a three-time Best of Super Junior. Actually, four-time. He's three-peated now. Mm-hmm. Best of Super Junior's winner. Multiple-time Junior Heavyweight Champion. Shingo Takagi is a former world champion. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of pedigree, like, teaming up with a legend in Sting against Bullet Club. Um... I, I I just imagine the good guys will go over, but there's but the uh, the bigger question is a lot of people have been asking about the build to this card and how it's just sort of thrown together. Should they have highlighted guys like Hiromu and Shingo more, like given them like spotlights to say who these people are? Like obviously Excalibur is going to explain on commentary who they are mm-hmm. at the show. Yeah, but do you think it would have been more enticing? If they had shown off who Hiromu Takahashi is and his cat, you know, to the AEW audience. But I feel like a lot of the AEW audience already knows who they are. Yeah, I feel like Tony does a really good job at not questioning his fans' intelligence. I mean, he obviously understands this is more of a niche product. He does understand there will be people who don't know it. I was actually leaning the opposite. Because if you think about it, it is the Bullet Club against them, Mm -hmm. right? So if you could use that as any opportunity, considering, I mean, what did the Bucks say on Dynamite? They're the ones who blew that door open. And if you think Bullet Club in the States, you think Bucks, you think, right, Kenny, you think, Kenny. The, right, you think those guys, I could see the Bullet Club stealing one, mm. stealing it, 
and almost trying to hijack the show a little bit during that time personally and i think that gives you the build for takahashi and takaji down there because we already know sting and darby they're obviously going to fight that good fight that's mm-hmm. how i think that goes just from a story perspective because you're right there hasn't been much build so i don't give a shit about the match but i will if the bullet club goes over you know what i mean that's yeah, that's, that's my fair. thought i could be wrong i could be completely wrong and if they if the good guys go over great i'm probably wrong on my pickups like i usually am but to that point that's that's what i'm thinking there i think it might be better um to have the the heels go over there because i think that would lead into additional story because it's not going to be oh forbidden door and then we're you're not going to see new japan talent like that's clearly not going to happen so i think mm-hmm. we could we could continue some more stuff there that that was my take that's where i'm thinking there so on the build that's why i don't think we got it because i think we're saving it that's fair. That's fair. So moving on to a match with more significance, we have a winner takes all tag match. <laughs> this makes for no the, sense to me. This, for, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, for for the ROH and IWGP heavyweight tag team titles, we have FTR, who are the ROH tag champions, the United Empires tag team of Jeff Con, uh, Jeff Cobb, and Great O'Con versus Ropongi Vice. Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero, and so this is this is what I've been uh, alluding to with the ROH stuff. What the fuck is ROH anymore? Yeah, I I don't know, and I, I've really tried to think about this too because I'm trying to th- I'm trying to look at this purely from like more of like an acquisition perspective, and I try to apply like you know my real life because in in my in the real world, for those of you who don't know, I'm see I'm a sales engineer for a software company. And our software company went through a bunch of acquisitions to build the platform. I work at UiPath. So we have a platform of products for robotic process automation, and we went through acquisitions. And what's interesting is that when you get acquired, there's two ways it goes. Either it stays the same, or it completely gets assimilated and you forget kind of what it was before. And I feel like all Ring of Honor is now is just like a... It's almost like a placeholder. Yeah, in, like in my opinion, like it's like I, I know I know, like duh belts or props in professional wrestling. Sure, but but they should be the an important prop, and they're not really important. They they're literally just something for guys to do. Like the ROH TV title is literally just a trinket that Samoa Joe has. Right now, Jay. Oh, no, I was just going to say that Jay Lethal is still hyping as, like, a big thing, which I oh, li- yeah. which I like that they're doing. But to the point that, you know, I think we're both addressing is it's just a moniker and a name. It's yeah. still, When I think Ring of Honor, I think, oh, that's AEW. Like, do you remember, like, a month ago when Mercedes Martinez and Deanna Perazzo main event to Dynamite for the, a- for the ROH women's title – yeah, which I where was also fuck fucking, Mer- which I was also wrong about. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, where where the fuck is Mercedes Martinez been? Right, like you where know? has Mercedes been? FT, I mean, obviously FTR has been going on different things. So I feel like Ring of Honor is just this. I think it's a way to promote talent and have matches on a moniker just like if i'm thinking in our software world like people know our process mining tool is process gold and our task capture tool is step shot we don't even refer it to it as that anymore i feel like aew should just either call ring of honor like the dark elevation elevation or whatever they want to call it instead of treating it as if it's its own separate brand because i i I can't i can't get behind that i'm sorry i just can't i i like i i i have i feel like 
TK is trying to get like ROH time on HBO Max or something like maybe that. which in that case you could do it like they did with WWE CW right where it was the new yeah. brand you could get away with it I just wonder if maybe what he's doing because I think TK is honestly brilliant he's like the definitely one of the best new age bookers he might just be seeing how much people actually still care about Ring of Honor versus the wrestlers that came from it so maybe he's kind of treating this as an opportunity because I think FTR goes over because See, F- that that's the thing that th- this is the thing though like if this were truly winner take all and and this is going into another thing go ahead why, like FTR are also the triple A tag team champions now granted triple A does not give a fuck about their belts in the slightest right they have yes. a bunch of part-timers having it <clears throat> yep. it's it's just a whole different thing out mm-hmm. in Mexico right. it's the wild wild west literally um but, you know, but, like, New Japan, they're loyal to CMLL, so they don't want anything to do with AAA, mm-hmm. which is why Andrade and, why Andrade is not there. Yep. Are, and the Lucha Brothers oh, are yep. not Oh, yep, and the Lucha on. Bros, yep. Yep. So, instead, we're getting Andrade versus Ray Phoenix on Rampage, which is a consolation prize, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But to answer your question on what the fuck is ROH anymore, I honestly feel it's it's a moniker... It's nostalgia. It's a label. It's a very easy crutch to lean on for storyline. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it as a quote unquote viable company because it is ultimately at the end of the day. Like, I mean, think about any company, right? Uh, what every freaking consumer brand's owned by like what 10 companies, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's the same type of concept. That's what I see it is. Um, but the match itself is probably going to be pretty great. Those teams oh, are yeah, good. Yeah. FTR has been on the run of a lifetime. And that's Dax and Har- yeah, Dax Harwood has been one of the best wrestlers of the year. Yeah, and I just see both of them looking at it and being like, let's give them their comeuppets, let them win tag team of the year. Like, I think FTR takes this and just runs rampant for the but but, but that's the that's the thing though. I like. Because, like, I think Jeff Cobb and Great O'Connor are both going to be in the G1. I don't think, like, they'll, they'll probably want to keep the tag titles with them. And ROH is still just a name at this point. And I feel like, I feel like the, like, um, FTR have bigger fish to fry in terms of challenging the Bucks at All Out for the AEW tag titles. So I could see them like losing their gold and then getting the gold that really matters because I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I, except for like, I, uh, there was one wrestler, but like, like a wrestler, a baby face gold collector. It's not really a thing, you know? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, because I'm with you too. Because I feel like if you're a gold collector, that's it. Notoriously, just has like a negative connotation. Yeah, that's a heel thing. Yeah, yeah, that's Kenny's shtick. Which I mean, hey, I mean he did. I mean other people have done it too, but the most I would say the most prominent in AEW's world has been has been Kenny. But yeah, um, so moving on from that, we have another title match, one that does not have anything to do with New Japan. It's Thunder Rosa, the champion, against Tony Storm. Now, a lot of people were asking, well, why why are they not getting Stardom in on this? Stardom is doing a show on the exact same day, uh, like 13 hours away. So, And also, you know. too, is it... Is it bad of me to say like Tony Storm represents the New Japan on that side? 
Because didn't didn't she fight yeah. over there for a bit? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, uh, well. New Japan does not have a women's division. They or for they, but stardom. Yeah. She was in for stardom. stardom right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, sorry. Th- thank you for that correction. I appreciate that. But like, yeah, yeah. That's what I see. <laughs> Candidly, though, like, there's no way they put the strap on Tony right now. I mean, that would just completely diminish Thunder Rose's character entirely. Like, yeah, but at the same time, like. What else is new? You know, that goes into my question, though. What is it going to take for this women's division? You know, because there's definitely stuff that's there, but it's like they're so focused on gassing up, you know, like name brands that they're scared to, you know, really like do the hard work of building up a division. You know, like I, I keep saying, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day with WWE's women's division where in 2018 and 19 it was just miles ahead better than the men. But at the same time, AEW don't have to go through the same growing pains as WWE. They have history to lean on, but it seems like they're they're just repeating history. Yeah, and I think too that there's a little bit of like a, a blessing and a curse of the resurgence of really what the four horsemen would have been. You know, I'm thinking Charlotte, Becky... Uh, who is a Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and, and Bailey. Bailey, right? Every talent that we've always wanted has had some sort of say, way, say, perform of being part of either the tutelage of that or being NXT or whatever. I think what it's going to take for the women's division is a non-WWE or ex-WWE talent. Honestly, when Jade drops that title to Chris... And Jade is now in that picture, just being like, I'm better than all y'all, and you fucking know it, because they pushed her to the... I think a homegrown AEW talent is going to be what fixes AEW. Because, candidly, before they slapped Hater with Brit, Brit was the most over thing in AEW. Mm-hmm. Candidly. Absolutely. Candidly. Yes, absolutely. Like, no question. And then, obviously, with Hater, but it makes sense. Gave Hater the rub. Now, Hater has relevance. Thank you, Lance, for uh, pawing on my lap. I appreciate it. Uh, that's my dog, by the way, in case you don't know. He's a boxer mix. He's really cute. Um, but Here, I thought Lance Storm was trying to grab yeah, your jug. Yeah, I know. Lance Storm. Man, he, oh, he always calls me from time. It's very weird. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, it was, she was the most over thing. And then it subsided, and we were waiting for the next champion to come in. But Britt could show up on any TV and do it. Britt is not an ex-WWE person, if I'm not mistaken. Or she was there for, like, what, a cup of coffee? She did, like, a couple of matches in NXT. Yeah, yeah. you know and... what I mean? Like, same thing with Chelsea Green, right? Never got prominence. Chelsea Green obviously made her, you know, on the independent. So, to me, I don't think using that talent is good anymore because all their storylines were just written in, oh, what? like, it was just your typical cheesy shit. But you've got a homegrown 30-0 and talent right now doing an Asuka-type run in Jade. Yes. I think yes, she's I'm... it. Oh, yeah, yes, I, I agree. She definitely has that it factor. Yeah, which you know? which before I was like, man, I really hope they don't put the title on her. I don't like it. But, like, I don't give a shit if Ruby wins the title. I don't give a shit if Athena wins the title. They don't need it. They should be put in storylines, healing it up so damn hard to the point that it gives these homegrown talents a reason to do it. Now, Tony Storm, on the other hand, if she did win, that's one I would get behind because she's never been the face of a company. 
Has she, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, she was, she definitely um, or had she, a lot of problems at stardom. And sure. Whatever. But, and the, and like the NXT UK brand, which isn't even a thing. That's, that's what I mean. Know. It was like UK, yeah. but then all of a sudden she came over and did a few matches and then it was like, that was it. And it just faltered and she quit. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like she can have her time. But to me, I, I, I think what it's going to take is giving enough hope and resources and support for the likes of like a Chris Statlander and a Jade Cargill or to, a Thunder Rosa or yeah. even a Thunder Rosa and let this title reign actually be significant cuz I don't know man I thought she should have lost it at cuz she 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 gave it she won the title at was it Battle of the Belts or was it the show that they did in It San- was like the it was like the yeah the San Antonio Dynamite in a cage Right where they did it in a cage I thought she should have won it at Battle of the Belts gives more prominence to it yet like you said it is a prop i understand but women's wrestling in general that title can sometimes like trish stratus on her own was not a great wrestler at all but she's probably going to be one of the best women's champions of all time because the title like it actually helped her so i think in this instance we need to do the same so to me i don't like if they throw it on tony but if they do they better push her to the damn moon and they better have someone coming up on her ass because otherwise like it's got to be rosa for a long time and she's got to hold it and she's got to beat person after person after person that- uh, and and this is going to segue into uh sort of the next match cuz like we we've been We've ignored another woman here. So Guevara, Jericho, and Minoru Oh, yeah, Taikanti, yes. Versus, <laughs> yes. Versus, versus Wheeler Yuta, Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino. Who fucking cares? A lot of great wrestlers, but this is literally the most slapdash tag ever. Fucking Ty Conti is in a dress now, and he's the she's the Jericho Appreciation Society's valet, and I just fucking hate it. That it means it's working. No, no, it's not. There is a difference between heel heat and what the fuck are you doing? We know that wrestling is fake. We know that these are the the decisions made by a writer or a booker. Fictional worlds are not real, and they are entirely mutable by their creators. Oh, man. I mean, you're right, dude. I think the storyline's stupid as hell. I think it's a throwaway. I think Yuta, Kingston, and Umino just freaking just dominate them and just call it. Um, but no, no. Like, in my notes, I just had hashtag free tie. Yeah, free tie. Like, yep. Yeah, because 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 months ago, like, she was challenging Jade and, like, she was, like, like in Brazilian, you know, jujitsu wear. And she's been tweeting about how, you know, when she first got into wrestling, she watched stuff like Shibata and Suzuki. And they're not letting her do that. She's just Sammy's girlfriend. And it's just, ah. Hold on. Well, hold, okay. Okay. But... It, I have faith in TK. Is it possible that while Sammy and Ty are going to get married, they don't do what we wish could have happened between like a Randy and um, Randy Savage and uh, who the hell is Miss Elizabeth? Miss Elizabeth, right? Have them actually split. I I don't know. I don't care. I right. You don't care. I actually like it because you know me. I love cheesy heel heat. I love that well, shit. I, if 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 they're gonna do this to like have a wedding segment, fine. Ha- have a baby face crash them. Call t- Ty a slut or whatever. Whatever. Fuck yeah. Whatever. Yeah. To that point, I think you. You know, like I said, I think the team with Yuta and Kingston just dominate. Um. There. Yeah. I say we move on to this this yeah. next match. 
dude, Osprey. Yes, for the, for yeah, the go ahead. U- United States Championship, Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. Not really one a lot of people expected. You know, when you think Will Osprey on a dream card, they want like a super worker like Pack. You know, like yeah, or like stuff. a Ricochet. But, throw him in the mix. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Yep. But but this one might actually be a sleeper match of the night. I agree with you because, and I who was I talking to? I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but. Orange Cassidy has been in an AEW championship match before. And I yes. think and there are things that obviously AEW does and WWE does this as well with callbacks where they do they make decisions like that not because they actually think you believe they're going to win, but for later on down the line. I'm with you on the sleeper. I could very well see Orange Cassidy actually pulling this one out and this is his moment to be like Yes, I understand. I'm a uh, I'm a comedic wrestler. I understand, but I can fucking go, and you know he can. So yes. I'm with you. This could be a great opportunity here for him to. But, but that would be interesting, like having an AEW wrestler ha- like holding on to one of New Japan's belts. Moving over into, we might see a New Japan wrestler holding. A brand new AEW belt right. for the for the inaugural All Atlantic Championship, Tomohiro Ishii versus Pac versus Miro versus Malachi Black. That is a lot of mid card juiciness. Right yeah, there. and I really just want to see Ishii versus Miro. I don't yes, even care no, for the one. other two. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really don't, to be honest. And but to your point, does it have too many belts? I don't know if it has too many belts more that it has but and and maybe this is like we were talking about before in the difference between like you know like uh being you know a new japan fan versus like a like a wwe fan for example like wwe doesn't really have convoluted booking it's either the booking is shit and they scrap it or it's very very simple and direct whereas i think with your independence right or really anything with an independent influence i'm thinking AEW, i'm thinking you know roh i'm thinking whatever right mlw you know there's usually like some inner lore I kind of like to that point, if Orange did win, and let's assume, you know, Ichi wins this match. Or not Ichi, but let's assume, you know, any one of the AEW guys wins that title, right? You've already got a reason to be like, why do I care? And this happened when, wasn't uh, Moxley, wasn't he the IWGP? U.S. champion. U.S. champion, right? Yeah, like, but he did... He did like defend it for a while and stuff, but the pandemic happened. Um, it like which is it was very bizarre. Like they let Moxley hold on to that thing for over a year, right? And I'm, and and, he, but and, I, and then but then Juice Robinson tests positive, and it's like we're stripping that right off of you, right? Young man. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it, right, and I'm with you. And the decisions are very interesting, but it's like, but they clearly give enough credence to certain wrestlers if they're willing to hold the title. So could it be? Right in that Ishii Pac Miro black match. Miro's been out for a while. He's in. Miro going mm-hmm. over would be fantastic. Yeah, right? yeah. That would be a, a like op- like have this open the show. Miro wins the title. Big pop for the United Center. Right. Yeah. Like just be. But it's it's one of those like there's a reason why they do it. 
and I, I agree with you, but I feel like what we're also on the precipice of is like creating a smarter quote unquote wrestling fan and not a smart mark, like a truly like someone who is like, OK, uh, like just just like a fan who is genre savvy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the same like you think you're Harry Potter fans, you're Lord of the Rings fans, right? Like everyone can t- and like they know the lore. They know the history. You can do the offshoot. Game of Thrones is another big one, right? Mm-hmm. This could be the creation of something where you're like, OK. This is clearly not a title from this specific show, and it could be a way to be like, oh, well, let me go look at that. And even if 10, 20, 30, 50 people do that, now you have a reason to care a little bit more. Because obviously, like you said, Excalibur is obviously going to explain it, and you're going to do it in your packages. But I could see this as an opportunity to be like, oh, man, I lost it. I got to wait, or we got to do another thing, or now you're going to get run-ins at other shows and you're going to see AEW talent on new japan shows you're going to see new japan talent on ring of honor shows whenever those come back and you're going to see new japan talent and AEW shows like i could see full gear being a shitstorm of things like that or us even getting a match like that and it get and what i like about that too is now you're keeping your storylines with your stuff a little bit more fresh because you now have given up about 30 minutes to another segment i'm looking at this from like a booking decision i actually mm-hmm. like it a lot but it, it because it's forcing me to think more about inner promotion things and actually pay attention whereas wwe you could literally treat raw and smackdown as completely separate shows and like you'll see the same talent but you you know exactly what's going on you know what i mean Yes, yes. So I don't think it has too many belts. I think we're just getting used to this concept of having to pay attention a little bit more as, as a show, personally. Uh, but more on the su- uh, I, back on the subject of the belt itself, what do you think of the All-Atlantic Championship name? Because a lot of people I, like Dude, um, I, don't, I don't like the name, <laughs> to be honest. I don't like the name, but I get why it's called that, but I yeah, don't like the name. But it's like um, the, Japan is in the Pacific Ocean, and there's an... Indian Ocean, and there's an Arctic Ocean, okay? Tony Khan, you're so stupid. But but to that point, though, is like, yeah, name, you know, name is semantics, but at the same time, like, are any of these guys, I mean, I think you can make a case for, you know, from what I understand, I don't know much about Ishii's character, truthfully, I just know he's a freaking powerhouse. I could look at Miro and Black being contenders for a world championship, but I don't think they're there. So it's a nice little... It's it's a worker's belt. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And the TNT title is. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. It's... I don't know anymore. I don't okay. either, man. I don't either. Move, moving on to another fatal four-way match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The champion Jay White defends up against the former AEW champion Adam Page versus the former IWGP champion Kazuchika Okada versus. Adam Cole, baby. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, when Forbidden Door was announced, immediately everyone's pie-in-the-sky fantasy was Kazuchika Okada versus CM Punk one-on-one. Yeah. And we'll get back to CM Punk later. But the, I, but the point is, people were, like, Okada in a singles match was going to add a lot of mystique to it because Okada over the years, has become the greatest singles wrestler of his generation. You know, every match, every championship match he has, there's just this aura to it, you know? But 
I I would still say, given that they're likely working around Adam Cole's injury, he's yeah. been working with one for a while, and given the fact that Okada, you know, is probably conserving himself for the G1, mm-hmm. this is gonna, probably going to be a very fast-paced, you know, affair, and it likely will prevent Jay White from, you know, boring us. Like, I, I go back and forth on Jay White, but I caught some of the match he had with Okada, he won that title in silence. It was just... Yeah, and what I think what's going to happen here is I think Jay White probably knows that Adam Cole isn't going over. That motherfucker's getting not buried on the match, but he's not winning. I think you could get money with Okada versus Adam Page. And I think, oh, yeah, definitely. And I think you're going to see a lot of that throughout the match, and I'm getting hella all-in vibes from this type of match. Cause I, I remember when I watched, um, I had never actually seen an Okada match live until he faced Marty, um, on that match. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to work a crowd very well, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. and, and also too, I learned he was a, he was a former TNA guy. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. wasn't used in the proper way, but he's just a big dude that can obviously put on bangers. I watched the Kenny Okada matches. They are so good, but mm-hmm. I think in this match, I'm with you, the lack of an Okada singles match is going to be made up for the fact that you're going to get Hangman and Okada probably laying their shit in on each other. Jay's going to get a nice little steal. Cole's not going to be doing too much either. He'll get his few good spots that he has. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll he'll get like some high spots. He'll get his and, high but, spots. He'll do the Sunrise or whatever, or whatever he calls it. Yeah, Canadian Panama Distri- Sunrise. Yeah, Panama but, Sunrise, yeah. But yeah, so... I, I, Have we been bullying... Adam Cole too much as a fan base, as wrestling fans. No, dude, the guy's getting paid. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no, it's it's just so funny. You know, he's he's an omnipresence on AEW programming. He always gets the biggest reaction. He I does. He does, yeah. dude. And, and, and like him and Britt have literally the crowd in the palm of their hands when they enter a match. You know as well as I do, you're paying attention enough. They're both good in the ring. Adam Cole's obviously good in the ring. They won the uh, they won the Owen Hart uh, tournament together. Um, mm-hmm. We can bully him as much as he want. He has a really good contract. He's going home mm-hmm. every day and enjoying his life and getting paid. If he, and 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 he's allowed to get paid on Twitch. Right, he's know, doing he stuff on Twitch. He's doing the gaming. Th- he's always on the All Elite Arcade. Honestly, I don't think he cares about the heat whatsoever. Are we no, being no, are yeah. we being too mean? I don't think anyone who thinks they're actually being mean to any actually let's 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 call a spade a spade. If you're tweeting at wrestlers and you think it matters, you're just wrong. Like they don't care because if they do, they're not over enough. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like that's I, uh, it. Uh, like, I mean, there's obviously some. <laughs> So, some certain stuff, you know, like women wrestlers, like like Tony Storm was chased off Twitter by creeps, you know. So, oh yeah, that's you know. that's different. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking pure, just berating for the sake of berating. If you're talking about yeah, anything sexual, like, or anything, yeah, of like, course, that's that's a completely different story. Absolutely, totally agree. But but yeah, like the, like I'm sure Adam doesn't really care about the whole the the one screenshot everyone has of him from being the elite where he looks a little skinny you know? yeah like who it's cares not... man the guy dude the guy's clearly made a living on it i i don't think about it as much and honestly i think he probably likes it adam cole is a heel <laughs> adam cole is a heel is better for business Britt baker is a it's heel like, is better for business it's like yeah yeah i'm not tone and yet i still have a smoking hot girlfriend right you know I'm what the i mean biggest wrestler in the world baby right like he's gonna lean into that and then he's gonna go out and get his ass handed to him which is exactly the way it's supposed to be which is why i love mjf 
MJF yeah. gets real heat, and he went out and he laid down for Wardlow. We're not supposed to talk about him. Oh, really? Whatever, dude. MJF is literally, he's the best, he's literally the only heel left in the business, in my estimation. There's probably... Um, I, 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 I do hope that they get this resolved. Like, <clears> I do, too. I do, too. I think they will. I think I think he's really... Personally, I think TK's mm-hmm. completely in on this. Because he knows the type of M- talent that MJF is. He wouldn't have signed him back in the day if he didn't know what he was doing. Right? Like, I think this is going to become a huge storyline, and you're going to get a Vince McMahon Stone Cold 2.0. Mm-hmm. Personally. All right. So... Signing uh, it now. Move. Signing it here. Oh. 56 minutes into this thing. Whatever it's cut at. That's what I'm saying. Move. Vince McMahon, yeah. Stone Cold 2.0, MJF and Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the main event we have for the interim AEW World Championship. We have John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, this was originally supposed to be Punk defending the AEW Championship against Tanahashi, but obviously that changed. Yeah. And... Yeah, the absence of Punk, that hurts, yeah. especially since they're in <sighs> Chicago. Yeah, man, and it just really sucks, too. It seems like, I'm not saying he's snake bit by any means, because literally the injury happened when he freaking jumped the damn railing or whatever. Yeah, like, was. He, like he, was getting, he was getting way too cute with that aerial shit. Yeah, which he's, you know, clearly not going to do anymore. Absolutely. My question to you, um, is there any, not perceived heat, but is there any sort of inner working storyline between Tanahashi and Punk. I wouldn't say that. I think it was just, I think it's just the fact that, you know, Punk is a big wrestling market. Tanahashi loves American wrestling. Sure. So like he's had tabs on Punk for a while. And he said okay. it, like he and Okada have said in interviews, yeah, like if Punk's back, I want to wrestle him. Like I want to okay. wrestle the biggest star. So it's really just, you know, it's just one of those quote unquote dream matches. Like a It'd be like an AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels type deal. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. got it, got it. Okay, but yeah, but they... but 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 there is actually a lot of story there with Punks, uh, with Mox and Tanahashi. Right. Mox has been chasing Tanahashi for three years. He has wanted this motherfucker, like and like he has been cutting very passionate promos on Dynamite, mm-hmm. talking about how he wants to be the ace of New Japan. He wants to do it yep. all, and yep. you know. And and really, it's that it's that energy that Mox has. This is the key to the AEW New Japan partnership. Why New Japan are willing to work with AEW because they want Mox. Yeah, that Mox has yeah. been the key to all of this. I mean, dude, what was it? He left WWE and then was PWI number one the following year, right? Yeah, right. I, I don't really follow the PWI stuff. But no, yeah. I know, but like, but I'm thinking about that. Like, I I think you're spot on with that comment because. I remember Ambrose leaving, and then mm-hmm. I didn't really pay attention to too much what he was doing, and obviously showed up at, I think it was Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing, yeah. Yep, at Double or Nothing. But all of a sudden, I see in 2019, they're like, yeah, he won P- Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Year. I went, really? Like, what was he doing? And then all of a sudden, I saw him. He was just running rampant in New Japan. Yes. And it was like... Oh, okay. If you haven't watched his match against Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, you got to. Gotta watch that. Yes, absolutely. But it's one of those, I'm with you on the key. I think this is actually, and and Mox isn't dumb, right? He's he's had his demons. He's gone through it before. He's being handed an opportunity of a damn lifetime to get another title shot. And I don't know, not for nothing, dude. Like, Mox's champion is great for AEW television. 
Yes, it, absolutely. It, I, I think he deserves a proper title run because his first one was really hampered by the pandemic. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Like, and, yeah. Like, like I recently rewatched um, uh, his feud with Eddie Kingston, where like, like Eddie and Mox couldn't touch, you know, and so like they're just getting really up in oh each other's my god, face and they and so personal, yeah. But they were just in front of a half empty Daly's place, and it was just, oh man. Can but you if you could get like, that with a full crowd, absolutely. And I think we're both under the uh, under the impression that Mox goes over for that show to end the show, which I th- which I think makes sense, and I th- I agree yeah. with that because it's an AEW title. Now, if it was obviously the um, you know, New Japan, then obviously I think Tanahashi but, would probably. But go you know, over, it's but... it's just funny though, like AEW's loss is New Japan's game because Tanahashi has has already said when Punk announced his injury, hey, if you're healthy in time, come over to the Tokyo Dome. We'll settle it on January fourth. Yeah, so you know what I mean, and like you know that TK is obviously who's the what's the owner's name of New Japan over there or the Booker? They they they're owned by a company called Bushi Road. Okay, so and, it's just all of okay. Yeah, and and like their bookers right now are Ghetto and Dick Togo. Okay, so Ghetto and Togo, right? You know they're all talking about this. If Punk is out and he's going to be out until January, why not save him for that? And then let Punk yeah. go win their title. You know what like you know what I mean? Like there's this is just the beginning of what we're going to I'm telling you. Like I've been telling people for the longest time and if you don't hear anything from this and this is the tagline we send out, now is the best time to be a fucking wrestling fan. Period. Absolutely. End of discussion Absolutely. on that. So if you have never considered this before, but you enjoy a little bit of paying attention, this is the best. I think that Mox Tanahashi, and really the whole card in general, the card could be better, but I think it's like we had mentioned in the beginning, the pilot program to what's going to be one of the coolest and honestly most prominent inter-promotional working relationships from a wrestling perspective I think the world's probably ever seen since the late 80s to be honest because mm-hmm. I, I i would compare the wwe new japan relationship to that as well because you had a lot of talent going i mean vader was a huge star over there you know what i mean so, oh yeah. yeah yeah so i think i think that's you know with this and that's why i think mox goes over there but i yeah the key being to that absolutely like, i didn't care one iota about new japan until AEW personally like at all yeah yeah like and a lot of people are in that same boat so this is an opportunity for New Japan to really ingratiate itself to either an audience it lost with, you know, the elite leaving or just people who hadn't even considered New Japan to begin right. with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree. And that, that's really my final thought is I'm excited for the show. Um, I actually think I should be I think I should be watching with you guys at Redacted um, at some point or whatever we're doing uh, to that point. Uh, I'm really excited to just see what and it's going to be really good wrestling. It's going to yes, be really good wrestling for the most part. Some matches are going to be blah, but for the most part, this is going to be, if it's a new Japan show, man, they focus on that wrestling and it's going to be good. Absolutely. And with that, I think we could sign off. We went for a solid hour. Yep. It, that's good great. stuff. Yeah. And this is, are, are you going to, I mean, I, I mean, obviously we're keeping this in at the end. Are you planning on cutting this or are you just going to leave it? Um, I'm just going to sign off and say thank you all for listening if you have listened to the end. Um, there's nothing to like and subscribe to. No Patreon so far. But <laughs> please do please do give us feedback on this format if you like that, what you would want to hear more of, if you would want us to bring in other people. If you'd want to so hear less of see. things too, please let us know. Yeah, any and yes. all feedback is welcomed and appreciated. But 
For Kyle John Fenton, I am Jake, no relation to the Snake Roberts, wishing you a happy Forbidden Door.